Welcome to the Dr. Michael Podcast. This is episode 115. Wow, we are in February. Can't believe it. January just flew by. January's a long month. You know, it's like a, it's like a five-weeker. I think it's a five-weeker. Um, but anyways, it flew, it flew by. And uh, I can't believe we're already into the second month of the year. Hopefully, you're well on your way to crushing whatever your goals may be. Um, great weekend last weekend. Uh, football. Super Bowl is approaching us um so you know we got a week till that that's gonna be a, a great game i'm excited to see that and uh, the knicks man i gotta say the knicks are looking good they had the best record the hottest team in all of the nba and as a lifelong knicks fan that makes me very very happy um so anyways back to the task at hand um so this podcast is going to be um I guess kind of like a hashtag Ask Dr. Mudgill style podcast, but more of sort of just a general commentary. Um, as you know, I post to various social media platforms and um, a video that I posted to YouTube, I think it was actually like a pretty long while ago. It was a video, it was an Ask Dr. Mudgill about a skin condition called Schamberg's disease, which is a totally benign condition where you get some inflammation of capillaries in the very superficial layer of the skin. And it causes this like, uh, you know, like brownish, reddish, rash, which is generally asymptomatic, but sometimes can be a little bit itchy. Um, so anyways, the patient, the person who asked this question was asking about the prognosis of their Schamberg's disease and if it was going like, to take over their whole body. And I answered the question and um, basically I reassured them that, no, it's probably not going to take over your whole body, but that no one really knows what the course of Schamberg's disease is and there's a lot of unknowns about it. So someone responded to that um, and, you know, I, I kind of chuckled at the response, but it's an anonymous user. It's like a user dash and a whole bunch of numbers and letters. But the comment was, being a doctor, you're not sure about the disease. And then some kind of like angry emoji. What is the use of studying for long and long hours? Folks needs solutions, not explanation. Even Google, another like exasperated emoji, can explain things, why it happened. We, the people, need the solution of a problem. So he's basically like pissed that uh, I don't know the answer. <laughs> to the question that there's like sort of an unknown here to which I responded, uh, the most important skill one can have is knowing what they don't know. And, um, you know, it really kind of had me thinking a lot about this and, you know, had me thinking about my own practice, the care of my own patients and, you know, just how like one operates in life. And, you know, something I always say, particularly to like students or, you know, we have a lot of students that rotate through the practice. Um, and these are college students, you know, medical students, PA students, nursing students, um, young doctors, et cetera. And uh, even like, you know, for the PAs that work alongside me in my offices, the one thing I always tell them is the most important skill you can have as a provider when you're taking care of people or really just life in general is knowing what you don't know and admitting it. And then, you know, <laughs> then you do the work to try to find out the answer. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, hey, I'm not sure. Um, let me look into this. I'll get back to you. I, I always, like, you know, I, my PAs know that I'm always available. If they see a patient, they're not 100% sure what's going on. You know, they can FaceTime me and I can, you know, consult with the patient then and there. They can take some pictures and send it to me. Um, I'm always available to answer any questions. Um, but that's a skill you can't teach. You can't teach someone the skill of, you know, being able to admit you need a, a degree of self-awareness to be able to admit that, you know, you have to, to be able to know, I should say, what you don't know, which is again, so very important. And, um, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Um, you know, for instance, yesterday 
I saw a patient who had a very, very rare condition. He had a condition called erythropoietic porphyria, which is like there's like one in a hundred thousand people have this condition. And he had moved here from I think it was like from Nebraska or something. And he was his doctor referred him to me. And uh, you know, this is a condition that I've, I saw like one when I was a resident. You, know, you very rarely see these things. And he mentioned to me like a bunch of things that he tried in the past that other doctors have given him, which were you know like marginally successful, maybe helped a little bit. And I said to him, I was like, hey, listen, man, I, uh, you have a very, very rare skin condition. Um, I assure you that we are going to be the last stop on the train. I'll do everything I can to help you. But to be honest, I need to review the literature. I need to see what if there's any like late you know, uh, developments of late that you know say, hey, this case report showed my patient has this condition and we tried this and it worked. Um, and I said, I'll get back to you tomorrow. You know, let me review the literature. And he, and I did. You know, I reviewed the literature. Turns out, like, some of the things that he'd been using in the past have been shown not to be effective at all. They did some larger retrospective studies. Um, and the suggestion that I made to him while he was in the room is something, a, condition, a, a treatment called narrowband UVB phototherapy. I said, let me do a little bit more research into that and see if that could help you. And it turns out that that is, you know, a potentially good solution for him. So, you know, we got back to him today and let him know that, uh, you know, after you know, doing my due diligence, you know, I didn't know the answer at the time, but I did my homework, found out the answer, got back to him and said, hey, this is the road we can try. Um, it's covered by your insurance. Let's give it a shot. So he's going to be all plugged in for that. So listen, I was very comfortable admitting, hey, I don't know. Uh, I knew what I didn't know, um, and I wasn't going to blow smoke up his ass. I was going to do the work that I needed to do to get the answer that he needed to be able to help him. Now, this principle, it doesn't only apply to the care of patients or the practice of medicine. You know, I'll give you uh, another example, a real-life work example. Um, I had an employee who, uh, who was a lovely person, you know, a very, uh, very reliable, would come to work, would uh, you know, put, put in a good effort. Uh, but the problem was um, she was actually terrible at the, at the tasks at hand, um, you know, which was, you know, getting uh, insurance information for patients, making sure the schedule looked okay, collecting payments, posting payments, some you know data entry stuff. And uh, you know, she'd been with me for, you know, a couple of years. You know, during the pandemic it was very very hard to find. I mean, it's always hard to find like good reliable folks who are competent um, and you know, just just showing up actually counted for a lot during the pandemic and that was something that she was very very, you know, she she always showed up, which is something I really did appreciate. And she's a wonderful person. Um, but the problem was the job that needed to be done was not done well um, and was done very inefficiently. And, you know, despite like numerous attempts to, you know, retrain and say, hey, this is how we do things. You know, my other staff would get involved and try to help help out and say, you know, this is the checklist and this is how you should do this stuff. Uh, still, you know, things just weren't getting grasped uh, in a manner that, you know, was acceptable, to be honest with you. Um, but that being said, you know, because I like this person and because she was you know so reliable, I set up a bunch of like safety nets behind her back, you know, like so every task that she would do, I'd have someone else kind of like duplicating it or double checking it um, unbeknownst to her. You know, like, you know, I tried to get her to do the job as it should be done. It just wasn't working out that way. Um, so we set up an infrastructure where, you know, we were protecting us, we we're protecting herself, we we're protecting her from herself and protecting us from all the mistakes that were happening. Um, and, you know, I really am very largely responsible for this as someone I probably should have let go a very, very long time ago because the job wasn't getting done. But, then, you know, there was a big billing problem that happened and, you know, she ended up resigning. 
Um, and it's amazingly from that very day that she resigned, you know, I had so the, the staff that had been like kind of her safety net, just kind of you know basically just doing the job that needed to be done. And it was like night and day. It was like just a switch turned on and everything was functioning. I mean, incredibly smoothly and efficiently. And this is kind of an example of, you know, someone who um, wasn't willing to admit what you didn't know. And the problem with that is you kind of get into your own way and you stifle your own growth and your own success. And, uh, you know, this is sort of an example of, you know, a non-patient care situation where not being able to admit what you don't know and kind of working on those things so you can improve your performance where it kind of just stifles your growth and your success. And this, you know, this really spills over into every aspect of life. You know, a lot of folks, when they want to get healthy, will say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to eat healthy, but, you know, they don't really know how to eat healthy. They don't, need to, they don't know how to implement the, the, the correct, like, macronutrient bake, breakdown and whatever their caloric requirements are. And, you know, sometimes you need to engage the help of a professional or do the research on your own and read articles or whatever uh, just to try to, you know, align what you're doing with whatever your goals may be. But the first step in that is being able to admit what you don't know. Fitness, same thing. You know, uh, a lot of folks be like, oh, you know, I'm going to exercise, get in shape, and all they spend all their time walking on the treadmill and just doing cardio all the time, but their bodies are looking worse and worse from year to year. But really what they should be doing is some resistance training, you know, um, progressive loading of their muscles and all that sort of stuff. Um, but again, it's just kind of doing things in vain or doing the same things over and over again and not seeing the results that you expect is a classic example of not being able to admit what you don't know and seeking the help that you need so that you can learn the the skills you need to advance whatever it is your goals may be. So those are, I guess this ended up being kind of more of like a thoughts of the week podcast, but you know, I, I just can't overemphasize how important it is to, you know, have the self-awareness to be able to admit what you don't know. And then once you do that, you're able to work on the things you, that you don't know and improve the person that you are. Um, so with that, I hope you all have a wonderful, restful weekend. I'm just ready to crush the week ahead, the first week of February. Let's just absolutely dominate it. Let's get it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. The full video for this podcast can be found on either YouTube or Facebook. Let's get it.